Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your hosts. I'm Bethany. And I'm Crystal. First off, I hope that everyone had a great weekend with family or alone. No matter how you spend it, we hope you got exactly what you needed from it. Um, I know, like me personally, um, this is going to sound really funny. We did not do Thanksgiving this year. Uh, we had ramen. Mmm. We had ramen. Um, we did an extra super fancy, like, you know, fried up an egg and topped it off. Ooh. And, yeah. Um, our kiddos were away on vacation for Thanksgiving. So, we just honestly didn't know what to do with ourselves. <laughs> um, and we bought just, like, completely honest, a bunch of junk food from the grocery store because we don't. I'm sorry for my kids. Um, we got to eat, like, <laughs> all the stuff that we don't let them eat. That sounds really bad. <laughs> um and Zach was making fun of me because when we went to check out, he was like, is this how we used to live before we had kids? And I was like, yes. We ate as cheap as we could, and we just bought a bunch of random stuff and hoped that it, like, made its way towards the next paycheck. And literally the boys are spoiled because they get all the fresh fruit mm-hmm. and, like, good stuff that they need. But whether, you know, you spent it alone or with family or, you know, the typical family drama i feel like that's always like the thing that happens around the holidays god bless all of y'all um i was glad to be home eating my ramen um but this does mean that we're on the fast track to christmas and new year that's literally blows my mind oh i know i can't believe this year's almost already over i feel like it was just christmas but here we are again and our next twitch stream will be on december 12th so two sundays away Mm -hmm. um from now and crystal will be presenting so y'all be sure to tune in she's gonna kind of just talk to us about her wonderful beautiful interesting trip i'm not just going to talk about the trip i'm talking about all the creepy well, stuff yeah that was we some saw. Of it, but she's gonna kind of go a little more and talk a little bit more and um if you um go on to our instagram by underscore chronicles we both have our personal um Instagram accounts uh, tagged in the bio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crystal shared all the good pictures um, from her trip. So also, if you want to go look at that before the stream, um, we always have a blast on the Twitch stream. I know I do, and I know Crystal does. We just like the interaction. It's just fun. It's fun, and we're very much like, I don't know, kind of charades people. Like, we talk <laughs> with our hands. Like, we describe <laughs> stuff with our hands. So, like, sometimes when we're recording, we're over here, like, making these gestures and stuff, and, like... We you just, can't see you it. You can't see it, and we feel crazy, but, like, on the Twitch stream, we can, like, get that connection with people, and we just really like it. So, if you want to come hang out with us, we'd love to see you, and today, Crystal is going to present a Louisiana-based case. This is a gruesome one. I literally have no idea what it's about. I made sure not to, like, look it up. Anytime Crystal does, like, a case that I don't know, I don't... I purposely don't Google it. Cause I, I do the same thing, though. Like, yeah. when you talk about something I don't know about, I'll be like, I'm not even going to touch this. I just wanted to, like, tell a story to me. Like, yeah. let's go on this journey together. I feel like it makes it more genuine. Like, you'll get a more natural reaction from me. I'm not just being, like, candid and, like... I don't know, <laughs> scripted. But um, what else do we expect from Crystal? She always likes to hit us with these really weird, nasty ones. I don't mean to. It's really not on purpose. It just kind of happens that way. And I'm like knee deep in the research. And I'm like, man, this is really, really dark. Yeah, I'm like, God. man, this She's is dark. A weirdo, but I love it. Um, but today's episode actually is based off a book by Ethan Brown. And if that name sounds familiar, 
which it should because she talked about this person in one of my personal favorite episodes mm-hmm. um ethan was the man who uncovered all the corruption in jennings uh louisiana and wrote murder in the bayou um and i'm going to hand this over to crystal to tell us a story about it okay so yes ethan brown also wrote this book um as well and for some reason i did not put the name of the book in my notes and now i'm totally blanking Blanking. on the name of it jeez i hate it well it'll be in the show notes with the sources so you can find it there but if you are from louisiana or if you have lived around this time uh, kind of like right post katrina chances are you've heard the story i personally was pretty young when this happened i think i was like 13 or 14 um and didn't really learn about the case until like years later after it happened The story of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall is honestly a really tragic story that ended in the worst possible way. Um, In the end, it really is just a story about how untreated PTSD and the lack of care that we give for our veterans can cause like these situations to be worse than they have to be. Not really at the basis of the whole thing is what the story is about. I want to start at the very beginning with the lives of Zach and Addie. Um, Neither of them are from New Orleans originally, but they moved here to start their lives. And I do want to say this is another unfortunate case where we don't have a whole lot about the victim, who is Addie. We know a ton about Zach. Um, In particular, Ethan Brown's book has been kind of said to have a bit of a bias, and he even openly admitted that there is a big bias in the book in the fact that it is mostly about Zach. And well, that's his prerogative. Yeah, it's his book. It is his book, but it it was an unintentional bias um, because he really most, I'd probably say half of the book, two thirds of the book is about everything leading up until the murder. And then the rest of the book is how it affected his family, um, mm-hmm. how it affected his kids, how um, the government let him down, how um, different things that we need to do to protect our veterans, to prevent situations like this happening again. Maybe that's why he did talk a little bit yeah. more about him, which is kind of because I know we don't like that. Yeah, but I also got the feeling that nobody really knew a whole lot about, about Addie. Him. Well, they knew, well, yeah. about, they knew about her because his mom and his wife and everybody were very vocal about speaking. There was just not a lot of information about Addie. And what people did get were from friends that met her once she was an adult. Maybe there just weren't enough people so, to speak for her. Yeah, you know? so that's the only thing I could think. So, anyway, let's start with Zach. Zach, um, his parents were Lori and Jack. And they had gotten married when they were a little bit young. They were 21 when they got married. Um, as a newly, why are you looking at me like that? I had already been married for two years. (laughs) (laughs) I feel, well, I just feel really, I'm one of the, like, I don't know, a unicorn, I guess. Well, it's still young, but it doesn't matter. Y'all are still married. Yeah, it's not like It's not like y'all just got married for the heck of it. It's just strange that, like, people consider that young, but I've literally been married for two years already. Well, I consider, I got married at like 25 and I still consider that young. I do consider, yeah, I don't, for some reason in my mind, I think anything under 30 is young. Yes. Which, but I think like young kids think that's really old. They think well, I will, like, I will admit when I was like 16, 17, I thought I was going to be married by like 2021. 
And when it came and went, like when 21 hit me and I still wasn't married, I was like, dear God, I could not even imagine being married right now. Like, I would hate it. And then when, like, when 25 happened and I was like, oh, wait, I'm actually getting married. I was like, dude, I'm a child. Why am I getting married? I felt like that, too. But I literally was. <laughs> I was like, but you could probably write a romance novel. I was like, I'm so in love. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. Uh, well, anyway, I think they, they say that they were young. They were 21 and they started traveling the Pacific Coast together. Mm-hmm. And they spent their youth going to concerts, protesting the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Like, they were your hippies. Oh, man, that sounds like me. I, when I was reading this, I loved it because I was just like, oh, my God, I would have so much fun. Um, that would have been me. Three years after they got married, um, in 1972, um, that's when they got married. Three years after that, they started their family, and their first son, Jed, was born in 1975. Three years after that, Zach was born May 15th, 1978. Always May. I know. Always May. Always May. As soon as I wrote that, I was like, man, Bethy's going to say something about it being born in so, May. So, like, am I going to turn out to be a bad person? <laughs> I hope not. It makes me I don't feel think you are. bad. It wasn't long after Zach was born that the family decided to pack up for life on the road for a short time until Jack, his dad, decided that he wanted to get a college degree. And his mom, Lori, was like, I was really proud of him. I wanted to see where he was going to go. But the degree ultimately did not fulfill whatever hole that Jack was trying to fill. And it ended up leading him to an oil field job that he just wasn't happy in. And he was very, very depressed. This ended up putting a lot of strain on the family. But Lori initially stuck it out for a while when the boys were young. But by 1990, she had just had enough. And she ended up leaving with the boys in tow. They ended up moving to Santa Maria, California, which I had to look up where that was. It's kind of like middle bottom. So, like, not like the middle of California, but like a little bit lower on the coast. I know of it just because of the Golden State Killer. Mm -hmm. Like, some stuff happened around that Mm -hmm. area and they mentioned a lot. And also, what's the other one from California? I'm blanking. The Night Stalker? Or the, the Hillside Strangler? The Zodiac. Oh, okay. Isn't he California? Is that California? Mm-hmm. I think that's the same area. I think that's the only reason I know where that's at. Because I've, like, looked it up on a map. Okay. If you're I know, yeah, anything I, yeah. else about California, absolutely I don't not. know anything about when it comes to, like, somebody can tell me the name of the city and I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I have no idea what that's at. His family and friends describe Zach as a goofy, outgoing kid. He loved all kinds of music. Typical 90s kid, and he was very tall and lanky. He was nearly six foot ten by the time he graduated high school. Holy moly. Tall kid, very tall. In 1995, when he was in high school, he ended up losing out on Homecoming King, and it destroyed him. Um, like, it was a huge thing. Like, he was goofy. He was, like, super, I don't know how to describe it, like, Basically, when they got up to talk about, like, why he should be Homecoming King, his joke was that if he was voted Homecoming King, he was going to make them in, um, mandate two-hour naps in the middle of the day. Like, he was that oh kind God. of goofy kid. 
Um, so when he lost, it was just kind of like a heartbreaking thing, and it really hurt his self-esteem because he was so sure he was going to win. Um, I can't relate. <laughs> I wasn't even on the radar for anything close to that. So He decided that he wanted to live with his dad after this, um, and he made the move. Aww. So Jack and Zach, which I think is hilarious after I wrote that, um, started traveling across the U.S. visiting different cities. Um, they stayed in New Orleans for a while. Zach enrolled himself into high school there, only to drop out, not, like, not very long after. In 1996, he started working at a bar in New Orleans, and he would meet his future wife, Lana. He was 18, and she was 27. What? Now, I will say, she did not know he was 27, or she, he, she did not know he was 18. He kind of lied to her about his age okay. for a while. Like, oh, uh, she was friend. actually on vacation with her friends in town. She was a stripper in um, Dallas and Houston. And they had come here on vacation, met him on the first day. And she told her friend that she had a feeling that Zach was going to be her toy for the next day, few days that they were there. And it wasn't long until they were literally always together. Um, it was probably about a year in when he finally confessed to her that he wasn't as old as he said he was and that he was only 18. That's so dangerous. Yes. You can't do that. So dangerous. And she was a little conflicted about it, but in 1997, she discovered that she was pregnant and that Zach was the father. Zach was really conflicted about this and wrote a letter to his mom telling her that. And Lori knew that her son felt trapped and told him that he had to decide what he wanted to do. Either he had to completely throw himself into being a father in fatherhood or let Lana know that he did not want this and be able to say and be able to walk away but know that that had to be his final choice. Which I feel like men should have mm-hmm. that right. I Nobody come for me. Oh, no, um, I feel the same. I don't know. Like, I mean, like that, a woman gets to choose, but a man also gets to choose if he wants to be in his child's yeah. life or not. But mm-hmm. he, if it need, if but he doesn't get the ability to keep changing his mind back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yes, I agree. like you can't come in a child's life and then leave, and then come back and then leave, and come. You need to make a decision about what you're. Are you going to be a father or are you not going to be a father? I agree because I have a spouse. He he's weird, y'all. He's <laughs> so weird. He loves like children babies like he loves dads like he thinks being a dad is like literally all the cool things that he has done like in the military like doesn't matter Mm. he thinks like dad is like probably the coolest thing you could be in the world that's my husband and he's not a dad and i and i think being a mom being a mom is like the like lowest goal in my life like i don't even consider it a goal you guys are both parents I don't care what you say whatever literally parents (laughs) they are literally both parents um but I can, yeah, I feel like we don't give men enough credit, so, like, I feel for him in this moment, because that's a lot. And he was 18. I was about to say, well, he'd be 19 at this point, right? Yeah, almost 19. Almost 19. That's, that's heavy. Like, I wasn't a parent, even though I got married at 19, I wasn't a parent until I was 21. Mm -hmm. So, like, I had two full years of, like, being married to my Mm -hmm. spouse, like, before I was like, let's do this. So, 
he didn't know. He just, oh, she's pregnant. Oh, what do I do? Yeah. Oh, man, so tough. he was really conflicted, but he decided that he was going to be a father. He decided he was going to throw himself Good into him. this. And Lana even re- remembered how once Zach held their child for the first time that she just saw that he was hooked, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like, he was dad. And she even, you know, like, even told Ethan in the book about how she didn't tell Zach that she went into labor. Zach didn't meet their baby until two weeks after I'm sorry, um, he what? was born. Because um, they really weren't to They were together, but they weren't, like, together. Okay, but that's what But still, thing. like, you he still... missed out on that. Like, he missed out on that. So, soon after the baby was born, though, they got married about a year later. And then right after that, they found out that she was pregnant with their second child. This mm-hmm. time, a little girl. Whoa. So, oh now they God. have two kids. They have a little boy and a little girl. Now that they had two kids, Zach wanted to do what was best for his family, and he immediately got his GED and then made plans to join the Army. No. See, that's where you messed up. (laughs) (laughs) So, I also watched an episode of, I think this thing is called Last Witness or something like that, and basically they tell murder stories through the eyes of the the victim, and it this particular episode was about them, and they talked to like their friends and family and different people that he served with, and they were talking about there's a lot of reasons people join the military. Some people are running away, some people really just want to make a better life for themselves because they don't have anything else and they just need something. Some people have a hero complex and just want to put themselves in that situation. And then there's sometimes there's people like Zach who came, like, just didn't have any other thing to way to support his family and this presented an opportunity. So this was the year 2000. And as Lana says, there was no war. And like many other men, they thought it was a safe time to join the Army. Wrong. <laughs> so... After boot camp, he was immediately sent to Germany, where he made a ton of friends. Everybody there described him as, like, the thing that kept their spirits up whenever they missed home. He set up up a whole room where there were drums and guitars, and they would play music and all that kind of stuff. They even had the opportunity to travel to Paris one weekend, and the people who went with him talked about how it was rainy and gloomy, but it didn't matter to Zach. He was bebopping around the city just excited to be there taking pictures with the eiffel tower just living life and doing doing you know what he wanted um soon after this he was uh deployed to kosovo where zach would again be playing drums and music and just trying to keep up the spirits of everyone because it was rough everybody was away from his their family while in this city, he befriended a little girl and gave her candy and just talked and played with her, um, who was killed the next day along with her family just because she had con- like came in contact with him and the fact that he was an American. That happens a lot, sadly. Mm-hmm. This destroyed Zach, mostly because this little girl reminded him of his daughter because they were very similar in age. Um, and so it, this was what they said. It was probably the first real moment that just kind of like harmed him, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, it was soon after this that his family would, so it was been Lana and their two kids, moved to Germany with him. Uh, life seemed better. Um, 
Lana and the kids got to travel around Europe with him. It was a little rough for her at first because a lot of other people that were stationed with him knew that she was a stripper in the past and that, um, like, she would, like, she worked at, like, a topless bar and she would send him pictures of, like, her and some of the other girls just, you know, just to cheer him up. And a lot of other people knew that, so it was hard for her at first. Um, but eventually, because y'all <laughs> military wives... I don't even consider myself one. I've told Crystal this a lot. Are literally the worst people on the face of the planet. They are the most judgmental people. So, like, I believe you when you say this. Because (laughs) they are awful. Well, they seemingly got out and just kind of made a new life for themselves. They got it out of New Orleans. They got it out of the States. They, you know, they were in Germany. Yeah, they're in Germany. That's a dream. Like, so many people go in the military, and they want to go to Germany. Oh, yeah. So, like, they they did really good. Like, he mentioned in the book, Ethan did, that Zach, on his thing, put that his first choice was to go anywhere in Europe. He didn't care. He just wanted to go to Europe. And he very luckily got granted that. That's So, it wasn't soon, though, after they were in Germany that he found out that he got orders to go to Kuwait. Mm. This changed everything for them. Lana said Zach immediately went quiet. He he never really talked to them, never really reached out, um, barely would talk to her. He, on the other side, said that when he would... um, send letters back to his mom or talk to his mom, say that Lana never wanted to talk to him, that she was the one that went quiet. So it was kind of conflicting messages there. Either way, his mom, Lori, would put together care packages for him and prayed for the best. She said that she would put everything from snacks to music to Playboy magazines because she knew that him and the other guys enjoyed having them. So she just put all kinds of stuff in there and would just, you know, talk to her son as much as possible. Ben came Baghdad in several other cities across the Middle East that would create stories and scars for Zach, and they really harmed his mind. Like all other military persons, he would never be the same. Once Zach came home, Lana said that he would switch between light and dark. Some days he would go days and weeks without with being withdrawn and then suddenly wake up and talk about how he wanted to go to Hawaii or go on vacation somewhere. He had grown angry and bitter because of the war. He suffered guilt over the loss of one of his best friends during the war and, you know, always wondered why it was her and not him. The family and Zach suffered for a while before he was ultimately discharged. His commanding officer recommended that he be given an honorable discharge, but despite every medal, every promotion, and every good performance review that he had been given, he was just given a regular discharge. This meant that his children would be deprived of many of the military benefits that he was promised when he was enlisted. I don't think, I don't think people understand like how devastating that can be. Um, because a lot of people just like have in their mind that once you get out of the military that like you're just you're set for life like mm-hmm. you're gonna be sitting pretty um but you really 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 depend on that honorable discharge and like any type of disability um because 
that is food on the table for mm-hmm. your family. That is continued health insurance. That's continual dental insurance. Mm-hmm. Everything. So all he was given was his VA benefits, like Which for is his medical. Very, very, very slim, and mm-hmm. most of the time, that's just for the service member. That's yeah, it wasn't not for his family. family. It was just for him. Yeah, that's nothing. Um, after the family was back in New Orleans. Lana and Zach immediately separated. In fact, Lana came back before Zach and the kids did. And Zach had to find a new job fast. Well, he knew what he could do, which was be a bartender. So that's what he got a job doing again in the French Quarter. And it was here that he would meet spunky, creative, I think she was pretty, um, blonde named Addie Hall. Addie had a tough life. Uh, at least that's what she shared with Jack and Jack, Zach and some other friends. According to Addie, she was raised in Durham, North Carolina and had a somewhat normal, as far as everyone could tell, life with her mom and dad. At some point, she dropped out of school and just started traveling around the country. She made her way hitchhiking, trading her skills to get by. She um, loved to sew. She loved to write poetry. Um, and so she would use that to just get by. I feel very judgmental. Because when you say <laughs> trading her skills, mm-hmm. I feel really bad now. Because you're talking like actual... Like actual skills. Man, I'm so like sorry. Like she would work to like get... Gets, like she would work just to get enough money. I'm so sorry. I thought you meant... <laughs> Another particular set of skills. No. no. Um, eventually, she did move back to North Carolina, and she started to teach dance at a dance school. Nice. Um, dancing was something that she loved to do, and it was something that um, her friend said always made her smile. Nice. By 2002, she was ready to move again. She was very antsy and was like, i got to get out of here. She actually went down to New Orleans for Mardi Gras and just fell in love with the city and knew that she wanted to settle there. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I love like, I, I love, love New it. Orleans. I lived there. My I don't mom, know if I do it again. My mom was born there. Like I spent many summers there, but I wouldn't hell no. Hell I don't no. know if I could, to be honest. No. Like I I really, really enjoyed my time living in New Orleans. I will I, I felt safe. I never I never didn't feel safe. Like, I always felt like I was... You lived in a good area, though. Technically, no. I mean... (laughs) I lived in Gentilly. It wasn't, like, the safest. But but it was... It was the median. Yeah. Like, it was was whatever. But I never was, like... I'm not... I was never the type to go to Bourbon Street by myself. I actually learned very quickly that... If you live there, you don't even go to Bourbon Street. And I was like, well, duh. And like, wouldn't... I think I've only ever been to Bourbon Street, like, twice in my entire life. I think I've only been once... And, I and I've like, been to New Orleans a ton. I was older at that point. I was like, eh. it's just not that fun. Bourbon no. Street is not a thing. Now, if you like Frenchman Street's fun, even though it's getting very touristy. My favorite restaurant is Off Elysian Fields. So I just really like going down to the French quarters and doing the ghost tours. Even though I've done yes, them a million times, I know times, so it's still even like if better. they're cheesy, they're so much fun. Mm-hmm. They're so much fun. Um, but they, she knew that she wanted to settle there. She loved it. Um, and I will admit, there is an allure to, like, the feel of living and being in the French Quarter and surrounding yourself with that. So, I can understand why she would be like, I want to live here. It's a party city. It's a free spirit city. Yeah. So, I get it. I com- I-, I get it. Um, so, she packed all of her things up in her car and just drove down. <laughs> um, she drove there with no idea where she was going to stay 
or where she was going to work. And she actually ended up sleeping in her car for several weeks before she was able to get an apartment. My anxiety could never. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I cannot imagine being this brave. Um, I had to have everything planned out two weeks in advance at least. Like, I can't imagine just packing up. If Crystal makes me go to, like, a new place, I literally text her and I'm like, okay, like, where's the parking of this place? Hold on. Where is it? Okay, but uh, the only reason I'm telling you that we're going there is because I've already done all that research beforehand so like anytime i go i have to look at the menu i have to look at every single thing if there's a google maps like interior feature i don't want to go into somewhere and have anxiety about where do i go to order where's the bathroom do i do i have to pay at the table or do i have to like get up and go pay somewhere i have to know everything when i tell you me and crystal are soulmates we're soulmates i have so much anxiety so when we first met i was afraid to tell her stuff because i was like some people like are very judgmental and they're like just live your life and like i'm trying and she understands i try to live my life but i have to live my life very plain anxiously yes very anxiously like i don't think any i i know i posted it on instagram but i never posted the full trip itinerary that i made it was bad, you guys. Like oh, yeah. I, it literally like you could like click a link, and the link took you to like the saved PDF of our tickets for stuff, and like took you with GPS directions. Like the itinerary literally had directions from our apartment to where we were going. I like can it was, it was so bad. But nothing went wrong on the trip, so no. I guess it worked. Um, but anyway, Addie ended up moving in with a New Orleans playwright named Dennis. And the two were just creatives who completely thrived by living together. Dennis talked about how ridiculously talented Addie was and that she could literally create something from nothing. No matter if it was the poetry she was writing or something that she was sewing. Both of which she was incredible at. Friends of Addie say that she was a beauty and that her beauty attracted the stares of all kinds of people and that this was something that Addie liked unless they started to look too long or came on her, came on to her. So it was like she knew she was pretty and she took care of herself and made herself present pretty, but it wasn't like a, I want you to look at me. I'm doing this for myself. I'm not doing this because I want your attention. And so when people would direct that attention towards her, she would get very angry. Um, so it wasn't long after she settled in New Orleans that people started to notice how her mood changes happened and how one wrong word from them would cause her to lash out in anger, only to be really sweet the next day. They said it was just like a flip of a switch. Maybe she was bipolar? Yes. Um... So, for years, she would get complaints about her behavior from every job she ever had. Normal interactions like, hey, I think y'all forgot this for my order, would lead to her screaming and yelling at people. Her friends started to not only be concerned about her behavior with strangers, but also the ones with the romantic partners that she had. Addie dated men that were always a little bit rough around the edges and treated her pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Several relationships ended up with Addie being beaten. Oh, One no. in particular ended up with being like her shoulder broken and her her shoulder oh, and arm God. broken. Um, so up and through early 2005, Addie pushed friend after friend away. Like she would, they, again, they could only put up with her mood changes, you know, so much. Eventually, she would confess to one boyfriend 
um, that she was actually sexually abused as a child, but would not tell him who, when, where, how, no details, just that it happened. When Zach and Addie first met, it was almost like she hated him, friends said. She would playfully pick on him. She would but flirt shamelessly. So just be like, oh, you're so dumb. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she, everybody said it was like she was a little girl, girl yeah. all over again. And they had never seen this. And it wasn't long before they were together every second. And they actually worked at the same bar together. And the owner of the bar ended up having to bar Zach from the bar any time that he wasn't working because they would be such an attraction to each other. Because he would come up there when Addie was working and distract her, and then she would come up when Zach was working and distract him. Um, And they could never have them on the same shift because they would never get anything done. Done. Um, so not long after that, um, they did end up getting word all across the city that there was a huge hurricane coming and that everyone was to get out. It was a mandatory evacuation. Now, Addie didn't have anywhere to go and Zach was planning on going to just ride the storm out with Lana and his kids. Now, Lana even told Zach to bring Addie, but he refused and they stayed and just rode out the storm together which i thought was a little weird like why would she not want to go like why would he not want her to go also that's pretty cool that's pretty nice i mean i mean well well, this is this is what the book said and i thought it was funny but lana said in the book she said i gave zach to Addie. i could get him back at any time i wanted oh I gave him to her. Okay, girlfriend. They were still married at this time, too. They never oh. got a divorce. They oh. only separated. Oh, okay. So he's still married, and she's dating someone else, too. Oh, okay. But she said that she gave Zach to Addie, and she could get him back whenever she wanted. Okay, I don't really like how that sounds. I don't. I, I was just like. some type of way. I was like, okay. Um, after the storm passed, Zach and Addie ended up thriving in this empty French Quarter. They would spend their days clearing the trash from the road, um, looting the grocery stores for canned goods, and they would spend their nights drinking with the few people that remained in the area. They were completely free from responsibility, bills, no obligation, no real news about what was happening. After dinner with friends, they would listen to the record Trouble by Ray LaMontagne, which is one of my favorite artists of all time. Like, and that's one of my favorite albums of all time. And I have it on vinyl, and it is just beautiful to listen to on vinyl. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and they would just dance. Um, it was even said that they would make love in the streets what? of New Orleans because they would just get drunk and Could have never. sex. There's actually a really like famous set of photographs taken of them by the New York Times during this time. And it's them sitting outside with friends and some of the people that live in the neighborhood. Uh, and it just kind of portrays a very happy couple. Like They just look like they're making, making it work and they have the best of their surroundings and just doing it. Well, it was a long process um, and a long time before the city was finally back on its feet. When it was finally over, Zach and Addie had made their, what you could call a hand-to-mouth lifestyle, their own. So, like, they were very much, like, 
they got this food they ate it like they they didn't there wasn't any in between like they took care of themselves they were completely self-sufficient upon themselves they didn't have to worry about anything else but taking care of themselves having to go back to jobs and having tourists in town was not easy for them people were coming back to the city to clean up to rebuild their lives and meanwhile all of this rebuilding was tearing down what Zach and Addie had built up um, because so much of their relationship was built upon them kind of living secluded from everyone and not having to worry about anything you can't live life like yeah. unfortunately unfortunately like it seemed to like worked really well for them and they were really happy like a fairy tale but like that's what they bonded over yeah. so it wasn't long before zach and addy were deep into coke and alcohol <laughs> these two things root like rolled their lives and tension started to rise between the couple Addie started lashing out at Zach, and it eventually got so bad that they actually split up for a while. Addie stayed in New Orleans, and Zach went to see his dad in Portland. By the middle of 2006, Zach was back in New Orleans, and they were back together. It wasn't long, though, before the fighting um, started happening again. Zach didn't want to be a parent anymore, and Addie didn't want to be with the part of Zach that included his kids. She just wanted Zach. She didn't want his kids. She didn't want all that drama. She didn't want the fact that he had to pay child support and that he worked two jobs to pay child support. She just wanted Zach. And Zach was overwhelmed and didn't want to keep paying child support and decided he didn't want to be a parent anymore. He was also just kind of done. Y'all can't see my face. <laughs> my... It's like I just threw a loophole in this for her. Because I... I was like for you know these people. I was like rooting for Zach, <laughs> and I was like maybe I'm gonna like like him through. I cannot stand people like that. By like, the end of summer of 2006, so this is a year after coming up on a year after Katrina, Zach had actually entered a side relationship with a man that he met at a bar. He kept this relationship a secret from everyone, even his closest friends. But it wouldn't be long before Addie would find out. Now, New Orleans is big, but it's often said that, that New Orleans can be a small town. It's also important to remember that at this point in time after Katrina, um, New Orleans typically has, like, in the metro, not the metro, but, like, New Orleans, the yeah. city, has about 500,000 people. Yeah. Post-Katrina, it only had about 150, yeah. 190,000 okay so side relationship like romantic like a romantic relationship okay, yeah man. he had um often went to like gay bars in new orleans um but it was always like with friends it was never like he was there looking for someone it was just his friends were there did anybody like know or have no no any one ever any no, idea no one ever really knew the guy that he ended up having a relationship with was a real estate agent um but it was just an outlet for him his mom even said that afterwards it didn't surprise her because of how stressed out he was that he was just looking for an outlet of any way that he could he just wanted to explore every like avenue of yeah. his personality and just kind of get a reaction out of something like like is this what he needs like is this what he's missing from life like so she said it didn't surprise her um now when Addie found out she was mad I mean, I would be mad too. Um, not that he was with 
a guy, but just that he was cheating is what she was mad at. Um, she also lashed out, and if you know anyone with bipolar um, disorder, you know that when they lash out, they don't always mean to lash out and be as mean as they are, but they can be very, very cruel. And in Addie's case, she went through her phone and texted every single girl that he had AIDS and deleted all the contacts from his phone and just was very cruel. I also am very big advocate of uh, your disorder. Disorder also doesn't mean you have to be an asshole. Yes. So I don't know, girlfriend. That's still not okay. Um, now she was not going to put up with him cheating on her and that was really just kind of the tip of the iceberg for her. Um, they were barely getting by because of the amount of money that he was spending on child support and that was being spent on drugs and alcohol. So they had started picking up a coke habit and started doing cocaine on the reg. Um, how... <laughs> How are you going to complain about him spending child support on his children that he does not have? And you're over here buying a bunch of Coke. Coke is, expen- <laughs> Coke is, so is expensive. expensive. That's an expensive habit. Yeah. So they picked up this habit. And friends did mention that around this time she had run out of her medication that she was taking. So oh, her bipolar Lord. was getting worse. And she didn't have the money to buy anymore because they were spending money on coke and alcohol. It probably wasn't working anyways, and, yeah. mixing it with cocaine. Yes, so, so it was just it was just a bad, bad everything. In an effort to try to repair the relationship, um, they ended up moving into a new apartment. And while searching, they found a second floor apartment at 828 North Rampart. And this was a cute little apartment. It had like a little courtyard area. It was situated above a voodoo shop. Like, very cute little area. And actually a really nice apartment. They paid $750 a month in rent. Um, which I was just like, oh my god. Back then, that's a lot of free, unless like how much rent is now in 2021. Oh, but I'm thinking about in the French Quarter. Like, this is in the quarter. Oh, well, you... 750 for a one-bedroom apartment in the quarter in 2006. To me, that's pretty good. That's pretty, yeah, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Here, uh, that would be, That'd be an apartment here, but. Yeah. Two days after they got the place, Addie shows up and demands that the lease only has her name on it. She does not want Zach's name on the lease. Addie wanted him out and started telling everybody that he cheated. Zach was understandably upset because he had just paid the two months of rent to get the place. Oh, hell no. And then she turned around and says, hey, this is my place. It's, I, my name's the one on the lease, not right. yours. I'm trying not to victim blame, but like, <laughs> she's just really starting to not sound like a good person. On the night of October 4th, so the morning of October 5th, so it was like around midnight, the fighting between the two got so bad that Zach turned physical. Oof. Zach says that he grabbed her by the neck and just strangled her until she stopped breathing. He said that he did this calmly, that he doesn't know what came over him. He wasn't excited. He wasn't angry. He just grabbed her by the neck and just squeezed until she stopped. (laughs) He said that after he killed her, he grabbed her journal and started writing in it. He detailed what happened 
how he did it, why he did it, and basically just laid out a whole confession. He laid down and fell asleep next to her body, and the next morning he sexually defiled the body. So if you're picking up what I'm giving you, like mm-hmm. that necrophilia vibes. Um, and started to think about what he was going to do to get rid of her body. Not knowing what he was going to do, he got drunk and passed out for the day. And the next morning, he woke up, went to work, put on sunglasses, was a mess, was shaking, and just told everybody that they got in a big fight, that Addie left him, took a bunch of his money, and left. And that they were done. He then went home, was alone with her body in the apartment for a few days before returning to work again saying that he was trying to move on that she went back to north carolina that he hadn't heard from her he then went mia again and unbeknownst to everyone else zach was in the process of cutting up her body to get rid of the evidence oh my god a friend of theirs the one who act um who had actually been friends with both of them reached out to see where they were what happened to see if they were okay And Zach asks him, hey, you're the only person that has reached out to us at all to see how we're doing. Do you want to go out and just just get out on, have a night on town? He's like, I'll buy. A little weird, but okay. So they ended up hitting up a strip club, going to the bars, having a good time until like suddenly at like 4 o'clock in the morning, Zach says that he has to go on vacation and he just says he's got to go. He's got to get out of here. Well, it wasn't really a vacation. He was going to kill himself. So, Zach had used her journal as a place to write his suicide note as well. He wrote about how much he failed in his life. He took a cigarette and gave himself 28 burn marks, one for every year of his life that he was a failure. He wrote about how he killed Addie and what he did he spray painted lana's number on the wall above the bathtub and wrote the phrase call my wife oh my god he walked over to the well first he actually went over to the friend's house that he was at that he was out with and tried to wake him up but the friend wouldn't wake up oh no um and then he decided he would walk over to the omni hotel and went up to the rooftop walked through the lobby walked the elevator Um, had some drinks by the pool, relaxed, and then around 8.30 p.m., walked over to the edge and jumped off the roof. What the When the police arrived at the scene, they found a note in his pocket that read, For Police Only. He really planned this out. Mm -hmm. It mentioned that he had killed himself because he killed Addie and that her body could be found in the apartment. Police found the apartment a mess. There were cigarettes and beer cans all over and it was very, very cold. He had left the air conditioner and the window unit set to 60 degrees, so it was incredibly cold in there. They reported that it did not smell like anyone had died or been murdered, but they attributed that to the fact that it had been it was so really cold. cold. He's smart. Mm-hmm. On the wall, Zach had also spray painted, Please help me stop the pain, and I am a total failure. As the police walked into the kitchen, they discovered what Zach had done with the body. A few days after Zach killed her, he took her body into the bathroom and sawed off her hands and feet and removed her head. 
He meticulously cleaned the bathroom as there were no traces that any of this had happened in the bathroom. He put her head in a pot on the stove with her hands and feet in another pot of water and then put her torso in the fridge. Lana was contacted and was obviously shook. Um, I should mention as well, too, but totally forgot about this, but there was an arrow on the wall in front of the stove that had an arrow pointed down to the stove, and when they opened it, that's where her legs were in, like, a roasting pan in the oven. It was like he just, like, he knew he did something terrible, but, like, wanted to make sure they found, like, everything they needed to. So his wife, Lana, was contacted, and she was obviously in shock. Lana and Zach actually took the kids swimming at the Omni Hotel often, and she felt like this was a personal attack from him because he had now ruined this place for them. As the news started to spread, Lana got the nerve to call Lori, his mom, and tell her about his son, about her son. She, in turn, called Jed and his wife, and by this time it had spread all over the news in Louisiana and was on the front page of the Times-Picayune. Many people, such as Dennis, Addie's friend, knew that it was Addie and Zach almost immediately without the names being released. A lot of friends said that just from the way that they described what happened um, or the fact that they gave the address, um, they just knew. They knew who it was. They didn't need the official announcement. Also, that's kind of... His, I mean, his wife made it seem like, oh, he ruined that place. It didn't feel like she was sad that he was dead. Oh, no, she was. She was, com- they, she was completely, like, devastated. devastated. Mm-hmm. But, like, just that statement just made it but seem But she was like- mad because, I'll go into it in a second, but she was mad because she took, he took himself from their kids. Because, oh, okay. because he did see the kids a lot. Like, they would spend weekends with him. Or they would go meet somewhere and he would take them somewhere for the weekend. Like, he wasn't, like, he didn't want to be a dad because that was a decision that he made way too young. But it didn't stop him from actually participating actively in the life of his kids. Makes me wonder, though, like, maybe if he had gone back if he hadn't met Addie. Like, you think? I don't know. I mean, we'll never know. We'll never know. But he he did love his kids and did, like, take care of his kids. And, like, actually the weekend that he killed Addie, he was supposed to have his kids. Aww. And he was worried about um, meeting them, and he was supposed to have the kids. So instead of taking the kids, he met Lana after he killed Addie and gave her a bunch of child support money and said, I can't take them this weekend, but I'll give you all the child support money because he was a little bit behind. So he gave her the money so that he didn't have to have his kids so that he could... Oh, he didn't want them in that. Yeah, he didn't want them in that. Because there's a dead person in their pocket. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> so at least he made that as a positive yeah. choice. Um, one of the most morbid questions that people had after the murder was if Zach ate the bodies. Ate Addie's body. Um, and when police found her body in the oven and on the stove, there was the rumor that they found carrots and potatoes cut up and like put in the pan and that the body parts in the pan in the oven looked like they were seasoned. Um, so I don't actually know the answer to this question. Maybe I missed it in Ethan's book. Um, that just sounds like the media trying to. But yeah, make it just it sounded sound a little like it sounded a little lot. Irregardless of all of this, the people who had been hurt the most by, by this were his kids. Um, Because at this point, they were old enough to kind of, like, 
That's, realize that their dad's that's dead. That's a lot to handle. I mean, you got this cool dad that was in the military. You traveled all across Europe, mm-hmm. and then he kind of moves away from you, and now he's just gone. Yeah. Now, a psychiatrist at the time did recommend that the two kids be told about everything that happened, and this led to his daughter starting to draw pictures of Zach jumping off the building. Oh, my God. And talking about to them and other people about Zach eating Abby. Oh, my God. Because that had been in the news. Oh, my God. So, Lana feels like maybe they shouldn't have been told everything. Um, and she really does feel like Zach ruined I mean, his kid's life. I mean, obviously, that their father died. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to have that conversation. Um, but, like... I, don't, I think I can understand telling my child, your dad killed himself. He took his own life. We'll talk about more details as you get older. As you get older. I feel but like he's not here anymore, and that's it. I feel like that's what I did with the kids. Like, how... Because, like, they really didn't understand death. And they were just, like, really confused. And, like, they were still like, where's Granny? Where's Granny? Like, even when we went home. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had the talk with them. But, like, I didn't, like, give all the details. I'm like, maybe when they're older, like, we'll talk about, like, you Well, know. it's, like, part of, like, keeping their memory alive. Like, you talk yeah. about someone to keep their memory, memory alive. But, like, you're not going to, like... You're not going to say, like, I wouldn't tell, like, if something happened and I had a seven-year-old child, I yeah. wouldn't say, hey, they killed them and the news is saying that your dad ate somebody and he jumped off the hotel where we go to the pool a lot like i'm not going to say that details but i feel like we should normalize telling children about death oh we should normalize telling them about the death we don't need to tell them about that like you don't need age appropriate details you don't want to tell your child that like hey daddy might have ate his girlfriend like no probably age appropriate details yeah no like, that definitely should have been like that. I'm, I'm with Lana on this one. Yeah, like age appropriateness, please. Um, now, he did, everyone has to admit, stole a whole part of their lives from them. Like, he stole their innocence, in a sense, because at this point, they still thought of dad as dad. Super he's hero. just, yeah, he's Dad's their dad. Dad takes us to the pool and we have fun. Yeah. Or dad takes us here and dad, we have fun with dad. Like, that's what they thought. Yeah. And then he t- he stole that from them. I don't, I mean, either way, like, let's look at it this way. I mean, he killed Addy. Even if he didn't kill himself, like, he would have been in jail for the rest of his life. So, like, would you still want your kids to, like, visit mm-hmm. dad in prison? Like, either way. Yeah. Um, now, Ethan Brown was able to find out during the course of his investigation that um, he, that Zach did take out an insurance policy when he joined the military for $400,000, and it was the type that does get paid out if you commit suicide. So, um, sadly, everybody in the military yeah. has that, and yeah. it's very sad that the military policy does cover that. That just brings to light how many people do commit suicide. Yeah. Yeah. So, at this point in time, though, they were trying to, at the time of the writing of the book, they were trying to find out if she could get that paid out to the kids. Oh, they do. Um, 100%. But uh, it seemed like in the book, though, that she was having trouble with it getting paid out, the way they were implying it. Can it can take some time, and, like, she's not going to have... Oh, well, no, they're still married. They were still married, yeah. That's right. So, she... Well, technically, if you had it in the kid's name, um, they might put it in a trust, um that they like get so much of over the years until they're 18 Mm -hmm. but yeah um i do know that there was some trust funds created for the children though um now that 
the city has turned this tragedy into an attraction to bring in customers. It's kind of made a different light kind of shed on the whole whole scene. The house on Rampart Street was decorated as like a murder house that tourists could walk through and it was super bloody and gory inside and they could, you know, kind of see where Zach killed Addie and where her body parts set on the stove and shirts that make jokes about their deaths and how they died. There were tours that would call him Bo and the Butcher. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to make money from all of this. After all, that's what Ethan Brown did by writing a book. That's, you know, what we're doing by recording this episode. I think what matters is how you go about it. Um, How respectful the whole thing is presented. And that respect is the key to all of this in my opinion this is a very sad very tragic story um not okay with that at all doesn't have a great ending um doesn't have the ending that anyone would want but i don't feel like it needs to be something that is made into a murder house that you can walk in monetized yeah we don't need shirts that talk about you know loving someone so much that you chop them up like I also, though, I feel like for a lot of these people, it's, like, out of sight, out of mind. Like, I don't think people, like, realize, like, how difficult, like, the military life is. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I feel like this episode kind of hit really close to home for me in a lot of ways because, like Crystal said, my husband is in the military. Like, he comes from, like, a long, like, literally, if you were to, like, say a family member from my husband's side of the family, they've served in the military, like, whether any branch. I have a brother-in-law that was in the Army, my husband's Air Force, I have a brother-in-law in the Marines, I have a brother-in-law in the Navy, like, you name it. So, like, people don't understand, and it's really sad that this happened. Like, he did deserve to be in jail, like, regardless if he didn't commit suicide, but, like, for people to be making money off of this and it's T-shirts... Sad. It's like, you will just never understand unless you live in this lifestyle. I mean, that's kind of like, that's what I meant by like half the the book being about what America can do better for people in similar situations to this. Because one thing that um, his family and his... um, there's just a lot of wrong friends. that he made. Well, one thing that his family and friends said that is that he didn't start really getting violent until when the National Guard rolled in through New Orleans and there were, like, checkpoints and people were checking IDs and people were walking around with guns. Like and he mentioned to them several times flashbacks. that it made him feel like he was back in the desert. There's just so much. Like, he's got a girlfriend that is bipolar that's not on meds. He's got PTSD. They're both doing cocaine. They're both drinking alcohol heavily. That's just a lot to put together and unpack. And he probably just snapped. Yeah. Uh, that's just, like... And I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine being in a situation where all of a sudden we're living this happy life, and then I'm having all these flashbacks to war and to the worst part of my entire life, and it's 
where I feel the safest. Like, I can't imagine. But, like, I also don't want to victim shame. Like, I really don't want to victim shame here. Like, she did not deserve to die. Mm -hmm. But you have a partner. Like, at this point, they were partners. They had been together, what, for? I have a little bit over a year. A year. You know that you have a partner that was in the military that has PTSD. You know you have a disorder that you're not taking medications for because you're spending your money Mm -hmm. on drugs. You have to be supportive in, I don't know, it's like a give and take thing. So, like, I'm really not trying to blame, but, like, there was so much wrong with this story. Yes. There was so much that, like, need to be fixed. There's so much, like, with our healthcare system and just, like, taking care of yourself and also taking care of our veterans because it, like, just doesn't stop y'all when you come home. No. It, like, doesn't stop when you get out either. No. So one of the things that um, Ethan Brown talks about in the book, um, which the name of the book is Shake the Devil Off. Okay. That's the name of the book. Um, And he kind of advocates for partly that the kids need their VA benefits and that all it would take is the U.S. government changing his designation from a regular discharge to an honorable discharge and that it's done happened before and they've done it before and it they can do it for these children. It is, but the military is all about image and are you going to want to change somebody's discharge after they've murdered somebody? But the argument is he shouldn't have had a regular discharge in the first place. His superior his yes. superior recommended that he had an honorable discharge. You know probably what that was is somebody like up the chain was probably being a big, uh, the word we like to use in my house is a poop nose, <laughs> a brown noser. <laughs> um, probably didn't want this man to get out of the military. He wanted him to stay in, so on his way out, he was probably just being petty and was like, well, we're not going to give you your benefits, or Mm -hmm. we don't have the funding for it, Mm -hmm. which is their go-to. So I would really recommend the book. I'm going to shamelessly plug Ethan Brown like I always do because I'm falling in love with this man's writing. I personally, I loved his his story about Jenny. So I had this book I couldn't find anywhere, so I did my little nifty trick of doing... The name of the book, Ethan Brown PDF, and I found a book where you could borrow the entire PDF for free, and you have to, like, click through each mm. page, and it's only, like, 295 pages, so I literally I long. literally read it today. Yeah. Um, but, I don't know, I like his writing so freaking much. Like, he makes me want to be an investigative journalist. I don't have the balls, or the, I'm changing that to ovaries, because ovaries... Are way, are way more powerful. Yeah, way more powerful than balls. But <laughs> I makes me wish I had the ovaries to be an investigative journalist. But anyway, the rest of the book is really good. Like I said, the actual story of Zach and Addie and all of this probably only takes about two-thirds of the book. The rest of it is about the pointless wars that the United States has been in lately. Um <laughs> There's a big eye roll for that. Um, I'm, Zach, the, I'm Zach's parents in the 70s. Love yes, that war. Yes. Um, it's about the ridiculous policies that the United States government carries for not only the war, but veterans, how the government, both local and um, 
federal failed the area around New Orleans and New Orleans and South Louisiana post Katrina um and how that and how that kind of not necessarily directly influenced Zach but how it just changed the whole environment of what New Orleans is today so I highly recommend it because it's not just a true crime book it's really it's really good I mean, I can specifically remember that. We got a super influx of people in my hometown. Oh, we did too. Katrina. So many people. We did too. So, like I said, I know the one thing that they're talking the most about um, at the time of the book was making sure that one, Lana got this payout for her family, and two, that their kids were at least given, at the very least, given VA benefits to go to school because they would be if they were born in the early 2000s they would be almost done with college or in college at this point so I couldn't find anything about if they received them or not or if they were able to go to school but as much as it sucks that he was a sucky human being and he took a life he was still a veteran and we still had to be cognizant of the fact that somewhere down in the line the United States government failed him. There's just a lot that failed in that story. There's so many so much. So many different components. So and I can't help but think that if maybe he did get an honorable discharge, if he came back home, you know, he would have been able to been on a different career path. If he had never joined the army if he had to never. begin with. I hate to be that person. I know I am married to a military person, <laughs> but like well, you have to be honest that that does do good for some people i mean it, it does gave, it gave him a way it but it gave but to think about this it gave him a way to support his children for a time it gave him a way to help his children explore the world i agree you know i mean it, i personally feel like that too i feel like that's sad but like it it at what cost yeah because i feel like i've slowly lost a piece of my husband over the no year. i can imagine and i can't imagine but i can i can you can imagine i can imagine that you would lose a part of the person you do like he's not the same person like he's still a person i love but he's not the same person like he's not the same tag and he loves it like don't get me wrong he loves the military like he's he hates when i say this i feel like your husband is one of those people that like he's not made for it but he like, hates that. I tell but him. Like I, like, it, it, I can't see him without it. I tell him all the time, you are born for the military. Like, you are born to be a leader. And he, like, it makes his skin crawl. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Because he doesn't see himself maybe, as that. Maybe because he has seen so much bad leadership. He's just seen, like, so much bad leadership, so much death. Like, either whether it just be here or, like, we have this rule we have this rule, and I don't want to make this episode too much longer, mm-hmm. um, but, like, because James, my brother-in-law, he's the oldest boy, mm-hmm. and he was the first one to go into the military. He um, went to the Army, mm-hmm. and it was, like, this big thing because Zach really wanted to go in the Army. But they have this rule that they all have to go into a different branch. So really? Whoever, so whoever enlists first gets that branch. So he went to the army. Zach really wanted so if, to so go if, the army. Wait, so if a family has six boys, that like only four of them can be in the military? Well, thank goodness only four of them <laughs> went into the military because there's army, air force, marines, and Wilson went to the navy. So if there was a fifth, so if a fifth one wanted to join, they couldn't join she anything? She has a fifth son, but he's not military. Like, but if he, he wanted to, he couldn't? You could go Coast Guard. You'd get made fun of in our household. 
you'd be a nasty girl. That's what they call. But I, but okay, I'm weird. But I think the Coast Guard's the coolest. I think the Coast Guard's cool. But the Coast Guard's the coolest. Being a nasty girl, which National Guard, Coast Guard. But, but I think I think it's the coolest thing. But, but y'all can hate me for this. But anybody that jumps into Dude, my printer. That was the scariest off. thing I have ever experienced in my life. What the heck? Anyway, I'm sorry. One quick story, and then we'll end it. But um, I feel related to this episode because um, we have this rule in my household that we don't talk about deployments anymore mm-hmm. or anything like that because of situations like this. Because yes, the military really benefits some people, and it really is a stable life. You really do have somewhere, like, you know, shelter over your head. You have food in your belly. But at what cost? Mm-hmm. Because it has really messed up um, my brother-in-law. I, he's going to listen to this. He listens to all our episodes. He's very supportive. And I love you, James. But he might be upset with me. But it, like, really messed him up. It still messed him up today. He did a lot of tours in the Army. Mm-hmm. And I hate to be this way, but I'm so glad he went in first. Mm-hmm. So Zach didn't have to go in the <laughs> Army. And I really did not want Zach to go into the Army. Because he wanted to be EOD, which is you detonate bombs. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew he eventually was going to go in. And he would tell us, like, all the stuff that he went through de- through his deployments. And it was devastating. And I would cry and cry and cry. And it was really bad. And I was like, I do not want Zach to go through that. So we went to the chair force, which mm-hmm. is like gets made fun of. And it's supposed to be like the better one. And he went through a lot of stuff on his deployment. And we both sat down and I was like, don't tell me anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. Like, I've already been through that. I love you. If you really need to get it off your chest, we can talk about it. But I don't want to. I can imagine that. And I want to keep that part of our lives separate. Maybe I'm a bad wife. No. Some people might, like, ride in on this and be like, oh, she's awful. I feel like it's the fact that if you need anything off your chest, we can talk about it. But if we don't need to talk about it, I don't want to talk about it. But, also, there's therapy. Yes. I I don't have to be the only person you talk to. Really good antidepressants. Because the military, military, y'all, is not the same anymore. Don't be afraid to. This is what I wanted to end it on. Don't be afraid to reach out if you need any help. Um, there was a saying, like, in the military that, like, if you needed anything, that was your ticket out the door. Mm-hmm. Like, you are going to get kicked out if you mentioned anything. Now you can reach out. You can get therapy. You can get put on any type of medication. And you can stay in, you guys. So, like, there's hope. You can stick through this. If someone I'm, makes fun of you for it, screw I'm them. I'm so proud of my husband. Like, he's probably going to be upset about this, too, about me talking about it. Um, but, like, he got to a really dark place, and it was not good. And, um, because with his job, he, not just, like, when you go overseas. Like, he sees a lot of death, like, here. Like, right now, like, where me and Crystal are sitting on this base, like, not too long ago, (laughs) an old lady died. Like, that's so sad. At the stop sign by my house. Oh, my God, that was the saddest thing. And, um, yeah, like, it's just really sad that, but I'm really thankful I can be here and kind of give him a hug mm-hmm. when he needs it. But, yeah, this was really sad. I'm actually sad. really proud of both of our husbands. Both of our husbands are very, like, yes. mental health yes. forward it lately. a lot of work, but, yes, you, you need to be here for your family. And stuff like this doesn't need to happen. I know it's really sad, but there's a brighter side if you just kind of hang through. Oh, um, yeah. 
I like it. So mental health matters. So if that's yes. anything you took from this, mental health and support your veterans. Don't just say thanks to a veteran and on Veterans Day. take your medications. If you need to be on a medication, please put that as number one in your life, not drugs. Yes. I mean, they are a drug, but like but helpful like, drugs. Like prescribed sugar, drugs. Like all that good stuff. Yeah. No. Put the coke away. <laughs> put the coke away. <laughs> pick up that person. whatever else you need. Okay, that's all we got. I hope you guys have a great, great week. Remember, in two weeks, we will be doing our Twitch stream, so be sure to come and hang out. Until next time, have a good one, and talk to somebody if you need it. Bye. Bye.